Hi everyone, thank you for coming back with us today. I'm Paola Diana and this is Unleash the Game Changers. Today we have an incredible young woman as a guest. We have Sarah Nazim, an Afghan young woman who studies psychology and she also works for the Center for Afghanistan and Central Asia here in London. Thank you Sarah for being here with us today. I was really looking forward to hear your story because I know you came here a few years ago and from Afghanistan with your family and I would like to know more about your story. Yeah, of course. Um, so my father came before us here and um, he came from all the ways, you know, from different country to different countries and we came, uh, my mother, my two brothers and, my, and myself um, back in 2003. Why um, your father decided to come here? Do you think it was also to help uh, uh, his wife and his daughter to have a better future? My dad just wanted to like come here and make a life here. And um, he's always like into our education and careers. So he's always like supported us in a way where we should, um, you know, achieve higher and higher. And he believes in freedom for women and of education course, yes, and equal opportunities, yeah. correct? Yes. Like my brothers, my dad, my mom, they've always been on my side. Like for me as a young Afghan girl, they've always been on my side for me to like study, um, work, um, like in my career. Sarah, today is International Women's Day. What do you think about this important day? Um, it's it's just a special day for us women and it makes me so happy that we have a day. I mean, there's a saying where they say Women's Day is every day, like Mother's Day is every day, but today is our day and I'm very happy. And like back home in Afghanistan, we, like there they celebrate it they, very nicely. And there was always like, you know, shows on TV inviting very important women or mothers or, you know, singers or, anyone like leaders to come and they would present something but now that the Taliban are there there's no Women's Day. So luckily that I'm in London um, at ACA we have organized an event at the Royal Albert Hall and uh, we have invited um, presenters and uh, leaders, um, women and men uh, to give speeches and um, of course you're one of them and um, I have painted and drawn um, a girl in Afghan clothes that I'll be presenting and I'll also be presenting one of my grandfather's uh, poems. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well done. And you know what? I'm sure even in Afghanistan today, women and girls are celebrating. I hope. They are celebrating inside their hearts, among their family members, among their community, of course, their women's circles. Because the Taliban, they can't change uh, the thoughts of women. Mm -hmm. They can't change their emotions. They can't change the deep love that they feel for themselves and their sisters. That's yeah. something they can't change. No matter how hard it is, no matter the violence, you know, this is our gift, the gift of sisterhood, the gift of feeling part of a special community, the community of women around the world. And this is what makes us more empathic, more compassionate and kinder. And I believe in love. I believe that love will prevail on mm -hmm. hatred. It must be. It must be. I really hope. <laughs> Sarah, what do you wish for Afghan women on this special day? On this special day for Afghan women, I hope for freedom, peace and love. 
and I feel like one day if my country is peaceful I would go myself as well and live with all the sisters there and um, for them to have a life like we do over here and all the freedom we have to study and work in our own time in our own way. It's a great democracy yes, right? Yes of course. United Kingdom. Yes. So you feel the benefits of living yeah. here. And I feel safe and I just want them to feel safe like we do in London. Exactly. Yeah. Sarah, do you have uh, a special wish for a young Afghan girl today? I would say my wish for those young Afghan girls would be just stay strong and do what you want to do. And even if they're saying don't study, read books and study yourself until the time comes and we can help you. Happy. And that's great. Yeah. And what your father and other men in your family think about the Taliban and what they're doing now to Afghan women in your original country? When the Taliban first came in Afghanistan, I wasn't even born that time. And uh, when I hear it from my father and my family, um, it's really, really sad because um, like, they had rules um, that men had to leave long beards and, you know, the way they wore their clothes. Women had to wear chadari. It's like a blue gown that comes on their head until, like, their ankle. And um, now everything has changed and it's got worse. And when we found out that Taliban were overtaking Afghanistan, invading Afghanistan once again, it was a really, really hard, slowly, slowly, they're taking bits and bits and out because they're starting with women first. And when they came back in 1996 and they took over Afghanistan until 2001, they had different plans and, you know, they were very, very um, vicious. But now that they came in the first um, year, it was going okay until they stopped schools uh, back in March 2022. Yes secondary schools for it's girls. Terrible. So yeah. now uh, for Afghan women it's forbidden to get educated, yes, correct? Yes, that's right, yeah. Mm. Any type of school or they can uh, still attend uh, primary school? Oh no, any type of school. Not even yeah. primary school. So they want women basically to become the servants of the exactly. men. Exactly, yeah. They want them only to bear children, to cook for the men, to please the men and to stay at home. Yes, that's correct. You were telling me that you can't even see women in the streets now in Afghanistan, yes, correct? Yes, I spoke to a girl um, online and she's back home in Afghanistan and she was telling me that you cannot see any woman on the streets. I was so upset. I was like, what? Like, what's going on? What has Afghanistan become? And uh, when I hear these stories, it just breaks my heart. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it because does. Because as an Afghan woman and an Afghan girl, I feel like if I was in their situation, what would I do? Because studying for me has always been like my priority. Which is the mental health state of these girls and women who are locked inside the houses? You're a psychologist, you should know, right? Mm -hmm. So at the moment in Afghanistan, um, a lot of women, since Taliban has um, invaded, um, a lot of women are going into depression and it started with depression and um, it's increasing day by day. And 90% uh, of the people in Afghanistan right now do have mental health issues. That's terrible. Mm. And there is also a lot of domestic abuse, I, I guess. Yes. We have domestic abuse in the West as well. Unfortunately, it's a social emergency. But I can only imagine 
how life might, must be, you know, for these women who are trapped at home, right? Can you tell us some stories of abuse happening in Afghanistan? Do you hear about that? Oh yes, um, I heard a story where this girl was walking down the street and the Taliban saw her ankle and he started beating her up saying, oh, why is your ankle showing? Um, you need to cover yourself properly, even though she was wearing a hijab, modest clothing, everything. But she got beaten up because her ankle was showing a little bit. So this is the, this, the equivalent of the morality police in Iran, right? We heard about that mm -hmm. and it's horrible. Yeah. So that's happening in Afghanistan every day yes, as well, in, in the streets. Every day, every day. And what about inside the families? Well, there are families that um, are going through like money crisis and they're selling their children, their girls to um, the Taliban's for money. And when they say no, they get beaten up. Um, there's a story about a girl named Arizu. She's 15 years old and- 15. 15, yeah. She got married um, by force by her father um, to one of the Taliban's. And- um, How old is he? 70 year old. That's dreadful. Yeah. And when she said Hard. no, they um, put a gun to her head and she was like, forced to get married to him. This is like legalized pedophilia. Exactly. Mm. This horrible, horrible, horrible man. How can they do this to women? They have no empathy. Yeah. No moral. And they're using religion as a tool, as a weapon, right? Exactly. To say that they are mm -hmm. on the right side of history. But this is your religion as well, and you actually mm -hmm. studied more than them, right? So what exactly. can you tell us about the um, Quran? From like a very young age, when I've come to this country, I was four. I remember doing my fifth birthday here, and um, my family, we've always like, you know, done our religious things and always prayed. I've worn a hijab since I've been in London. And like, imagine since I was five, I always had a passion because I saw my mother wearing it. And um, when I told my father that I want to wear a hijab he was like to me are you sure like I was very young he was like are you sure and I was like yes and he took me and he bought me some uh, hijabs and um, from that day onwards I have never taken it off and um, if it comes to Ramadan or praying every day reading the Quran my family and people Afghan people that I know here have always you know of course, but this is your choice, right? So mm -hmm. no one is pointing a gun oh, on your exactly. head telling yeah. you what to do. And I'm sure your father would have been happy either way, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you would have told him, you know, I don't want to wear it. Yeah, because um, wearing a hijab in Islam has an age. Um, where when your age comes, then of course, your father will say, would you like to wear it? But I wanted to wear it myself and, um, and I have never taken it off. So it was my passion and, you know, but the way my father brought me up yeah and he always spoken about Islam and everything that's how I fell in love with it sure yeah but apart from that I remember we we're talking that you said this it's not written anywhere in the Quran that uh, girls and women cannot study it's not written oh, no. anywhere that no. they should be locked inside no. the house no. without working correct no. yes that's correct in Islam uh, women um, they're like the highest priority that men should have or anyone um, in Islam, there's a saying where they say um, paradise is under your mother's feet. So a woman is something very special in Islam. 
I have never seen anyone dress inappropriately and they've always worn a hijab, covered modest clothing and Afghanistan has always been like this but the Taliban just wants like extreme Islamic rules and um, in Islam yes we say hijab, modest clothing and stuff but extreme Islamic laws um, I don't understand it. It doesn't make a sense because... But, but this is misogyny more mm. than Islam. I think it's misogyny. They just yeah. hate women. Exactly. Because, exactly. you know, I mean, if you follow a religion, you're a good man. Why mm -hmm. should you take uh, a young girl exactly. as a wife and exploit her sexually? Mm -hmm. Why you should ruin her future? But the thing with them is that their own woman is in Doha studying, working. So why can't Afghan women have that freedom as well? Why can't they study? Why so can't they work? We're talking about uh, uh, the wives and the daughters of the leaders of the Taliban, yes, correct? Yes, the leaders of yeah. the Taliban, yeah. Their so they live in Doha? Yes. In Qatar? Yes. And yes. they live a, a free, one of, rich one life? One of the leaders himself said this uh, in an interview on live TV that their woman is in Doha. And I was quite shocked because why can't women in Afghanistan have this freedom? Um, I know people that have done their master's degrees in Afghanistan. They're doctors and they're all women, but now they're nothing. Yes. Yeah. And a TV presenter, a journalist, ripped up all his um, papers and everything. He was like, no, this is not me. I cannot be that lecturer in the university anymore because Taliban has made us look like nothing. And now he it's has terrible. a little table outside on the road selling stuff. It's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's dreadful. It's horrific. It's a type of genocide that is mm -hmm. happening under our eyes every day. And also they don't let women now to be healed by doctors, right? So they don't want them to go to the hospital because the doctor is a male. Yes. And so how, how does it work? Who will save these women if they're sick? So what they've said is uh, women are not allowed to work, study or anything and because there's only male doctors now, so they're not allowed to go to the doctors because they're male, um, what they have to do is just stay at home. What a disgrace. Mm. Sarah, can you tell us something more about who are these Taliban's? Where did they study? Taliban's are extreme Islamic group that rules um, Afghanistan at the moment and they have um, extreme Islamic beliefs. I don't understand what those beliefs are because from my point of view they are all like killing people because in Islam um, I have not read in the Quran or anywhere where they have said uh, killing women or killing innocent people is okay. Um, firstly killing in Islam is forbidden. Sarah Girls in Afghanistan, like you, you know, they have dreams, right? They're like us. They just want to serve this community, have a family, found love. Can you tell us something more about them? Because really, I, th I think they're our sisters, you know, I think we're all connected. And we really need to know them more. We need to hear their voices. And I would love also to hear more stories about girls living in Afghanistan now. What are their dreams? Well, girls in Afghanistan, like what we like dream here, they dream the same thing. Studying, having great careers, um, you know, going higher and higher, becoming someone, becoming a leader. Um, most girls in Afghanistan, they love uh, going into politics or becoming doctors, engineers, um, 
and I'm having, sure they're strong women as well, right? Of course, um, having their own businesses because in a place like Afghanistan, having uh, your own business as a woman, it's very hard. But um, I've seen many, many women. But now that Taliban's have come, um, many have like closed down. Of course. Yeah. How can we help them? Do you know communities uh, uh, in Afghanistan who help uh, the women living there? Are they still operating this type of associations? Oh, Do you yes. think it's possible? Yes, of course. There are many um, places and uh, like many charities actually that uh, work with Afghanistan. But um, since like there's been a very hard crisis uh, like within money and the economy and everything, um, it's very hard because I feel like the money doesn't go where it's supposed to. Yes, that's yeah. the, the problem, and right? Exactly. But as a charity, as Afghanistan Asian Association, we do help Afghanistan and we try to help as many as we can. We get a lot of calls from people in that's Afghanistan. That's fantastic. So we can, you know, ask people to donate. Yes. And eventually also to help uh, giving some time, right? Because uh, as yes. an example, you are offering your time for free. You, you give uh, some psychological support to them. Yes. You also help with computer skills, right? Yes. So um, at ACAA, um, I'm the mental health wellbeing coordinator. And um, every week we give um, lectures and like seminars for um, refugees and people that are in London as well. Um, we give seminars for women, men and children separately um, for their mental health and we have one-to-one -one counselling mm. uh, which me and my uh, colleague Sadaf um, do this and um, we have other services. We have the computer class which I run as well, well and done. I just I volunteer for that because I feel like um, Afghan women and refugees they they need that help because sure. now that they're in the UK, they need help emailing. And I feel like emailing is a very big thing yeah. in this country. And they always need that email because of all these problems they're going to come across or, you know, all the help they need. And do the, you give them also computers or they can use computers uh, at the association? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we have computers, laptops um, at ACA, but um, we do give them computers for themselves as well. And... Um, which they can keep. That's wonderful. Yeah. So I'm sure we can help maybe more, you know, these women who are yes. living here. And they're still coming, some of them, or now it's, uh, it's blocked, the migration from Afghanistan? Well, at the moment it's blocked because um, at ACAA we do try so much um, to get those Afghan women, especially out from Afghanistan. Uh, we try to speak to many people and um, our director, Dr. Nasimi, did go and have a meeting in the parliament and, you know, he had um, talks everywhere. He's trying his best, but let's see, because sure. they did uh, promise that 20,000 Afghans would be coming here, but nothing is done yet. It's difficult. It's really yeah. difficult. It's terrible to think about their mm -hmm. lives. Yeah. But how is their mental health of these women who are living here now? Um, to be honest, when they first came in our first, first lecture, the many women did say, thank you so much for the service because what we were going through, we are not at the moment. And I was really happy because what we offered them did really help them. Sure. Yeah. So talking to them, them telling us what's in their heart, in their mind, 
and explaining to them that whatever was there, just leave it there. This is a new life, you know. Because mental health in Afghanistan means nothing. I feel like um, something needs to be done in the few coming years about the mental health in Afghanistan. Sure. So it means nothing, both for women and men, correct? Literally, yeah. yeah. No one is helped. They, they think it's, uh, <laughs> it's not a real problem? Yes, okay. exactly. We only have around uh, 300 psychologists there, whereas in the UK we have, I think it's 38,000 psychologists of in course. the UK. And I think we, st we need more, right? Exactly. Because there is an epidemic yeah. of mental health I've issues. I've always said, once I become a psychologist, I'm going to use my career in Afghanistan. But let's see. Well, let's hope you will. Yes. Let's hope you will. We can't lose hope, right? Exactly. We can't think mm -hmm. that this middle age that the Taliban wants to uh, exactly. impose on the, mm -hmm. your beloved country will, yeah. will last forever. Yeah. We need hope, right? Exactly. We need to think mm -hmm. that it will end somehow yeah. one day. In Islam, they people. say, have sabr, have patience, and it will come. So let's see. Exactly. That's yeah. what you're having. Mm -hmm. And what about the stories of women who are still living there? I'm sure many of the women who are here, they still have relatives there, right? Of course, yeah. There's many women that actually come to ACA and tell us, um, I have family there, please help me. I get a lot of messages on Facebook and LinkedIn. So they would like you help. to help them to bring them here? Yes. But I remember you were telling me a terrible story on, of all these young girls but also older women mm -hmm. who are forced now to marry a taliban if yes. they're alone mm -hmm. even widows right yes yeah so um can you tell us more so what's yes, happening are so there are people at the banging at their doors yeah at the beginning of 2022 talibans um were going door to door looking for families where there's women from the age of 18 if they're still at home, not married, get married to a Taliban. If they're a widow, get married to a Taliban. And um, even if they didn't want to, of course. Even if, yeah, force by force. So mm. a life in prison. Life in prison, exactly. And if they didn't want to get married to a Taliban, either they get killed or by force and by gun, you know, to their head, get married. And since the Taliban have come, um, child marriage has increased i know of course yeah. you know what uh, sarah i don't really like the word child marriage i know journalists use that because i think it doesn't exist child marriage it can't exist because a child cannot consent to marriage exactly. so i use i call it uh, victims of uh, legalized pedophilia because this is what they are exactly. they're not child yeah. rights they're victims mm -hmm. of legalized pedophilia mm -hmm. that is terrible and i hope there is a special hell for men who force young girls to get married so people like you your family they were hoping for americans and english to stay in afghanistan or no let me understand um to be honest um there are people that wanted the americans and english to stay and there were people who were saying no we don't want them to stay because of whatever reason they thought but and they weren't expecting the Taliban to take control so immediately and in this uh, no. terrible way? Uh, in my point of view, when the Taliban's were coming and they invaded like all the other cities in Afghanistan, like Kabul was one of the last ones. And um, in my point of view, I kept saying, oh, no, they are not going to take over Kabul. It Definitely yeah, it can't happen. 
But when they did, I was so shocked. I was like, you know what? It was all planned. You know, mm. it was planned to a point where when they got into Kabul, they knew that what they were doing. Mm. There was a time when the president just run president just ran away and there was a time limit where how they got in and he ran away. So it was all planned and you know. But I don't understand because it was already an Islamic country. Why do you want to push it to an extreme? It was an Islamic country. They're destroying the lives exactly. of many, many people. And of course, also of the good men, right? Of because course, yeah. they're ruining families. Exactly. I'm sure a lot of men, they're just good men. Of they course, don't want yeah. to see their daughters in this situation. Yeah. They don't want to see their wives in this situation, correct? Exactly, of course. Sarah, thank you so much for what you're doing. I thank you from the bottom of my heart because I always say, you know, that we are not free until the last of our sisters is free. Mm. And definitely we have to think about our sisters in Afghanistan. Yes. We can't abandon them. So whoever has the power to do something, I hope they will do something. I hope, I really hope. Because Afghanistan is just like in every Afghan person's heart. And I'm sure like people like yourself, but um, there are people like the Taliban who just, just wants to ruin the whole country and the people. And like you said, the good men as well. Because I've heard and seen that many men in Afghanistan have become Taliban since the Taliban have invaded because of all the stories that are put into their head. Women can't do this, women can't work, women can't study. But of course, it's just the lectures and the stories from the Taliban. Yeah, maybe they're just looking to gain some power. Yeah, but brainwashing them basically. Of course, but let's hope that <coughs> good will prevail. I we hope. have to. Yes. We have to. With patience and hope. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah, Thank for being here yourself. with us. Thank you. Thank you. I will come to visit your charity very Definitely. soon. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you everyone for being here with us today. I hope uh, this conversation with Sarah helped you understand how terrible is the situation in Afghanistan. And uh, please do something if you can. Help with uh, some you know, donations, uh, with your time, or if you're in a position of power, help in any possible way, because we need to help these women. We can't abandon them. And stay tuned for many more interesting guests coming soon. Thank you.